0: This is A Wild Conversation.
1: Hi, my name is Callum Hughes. I'm a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo.
0: And I'm Ashley Isaac, also a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo.
1: And today on A Wild Conversation, we're going to be talking about survival mode.
0: Survival mode.
1: Yeah, how some animals survive extreme conditions. I'm not talking about their adaptations. When... The environment changes in extreme ways that they're not necessarily used to.
0: Ways you can't predict.
1: And also how people survive, too, in certain survival modes. I don't know if you've been watching Alone on on Amazon.
0: I have not.
1: Oh, man. I think
0: you've told me about that one, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, where they try to survive out in the wild. Exactly. Yeah. That's insane.
1: (laughs) I've got to admit, I don't know if you've ever had this fantasy about being, like, just being dropped off on a deserted island and having to survive for one month—I know that might sound crazy.
0: <laughs> That's good. That doesn't really sound like a fantasy. This sounds more like a nightmare.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I don't know. It's—I I feel like a lot of people, I, myself included. I hope there's a lot of people. This just might be a me thing. Um, have this fantasy of just proving that they can survive on their own with their own, you know, skills and, and whatnot. Somewhere. So you say
0: fantasy and I picture like a cabin on the side of a lake that has Wi Fi.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> no Wi Fi. No oh, cabin. Yeah. Just your, your your hands and your wits.
0: I'm too cold sensitive for that. <laughs> <laughs> I would not survive.
1: <laughs> oh, Um, definitely you've got to think about like when it comes to survival, have you ever heard of the rules of free, the rule of free? No. So rule of free is basically just tells you how long you can survive in certain conditions. Okay. So the rule is three minutes without air or, um, if you're bleeding or if you are in ice cold water, that's how long you have to live, uh, three hours in a cold, windy, wet conditions before you freeze to death. Three days without water and three weeks without food. Wow. Right? Interesting. It's a good way to, like, get your priorities straight, what you need to do to survive. So if you're bleeding, that should be your first priority.
0: Yeah. Food should probably
1: have... be your last before shelter. Yeah. Because you've got a good three weeks. I mean, these times can vary, of course. Yeah, but... that's
0: if you're, like, literally starving to death, right? You want to get shelter before you deal with the fact that you're starving.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. No, I see it. I I see the logic there. Does not sound attractive to me. No, not at all. (laughs) No, I do not want to go to the woods (laughs) and survive. (laughs) I
1: don't know. I I just feel like it would be something interesting just to test yourself, you know?
0: Maybe this is just like, because I grew up in poverty. It just does not sound fun to do it on purpose.
1: That's fair. That's totally fair.
0: Right? I'm like... I would like somewhere that has a heater. I would like somewhere where I can have chickens and live peacefully. <laughs> so like out in the bush, like with a machete, just trying to survive off of the bare minimum.
1: Whoa, whoa, a machete? Whoa, that's that's a bit extravagant for a survival situation. No machete. Just Cal,
0: you helped me out like a week ago on my route and you insisted on using the machete instead of the normal clippers. I mean, the- So you don't get to judge that. <clears throat>
1: Point taken, point taken.
0: (laughs) There was no need for you to move to the machete on the blackberry bushes, and yet I turn around, and you're just like, but it's so fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could survive. I could survive. Cleared out a wolf (laughs) enclosure with a machete. I could survive. I'm good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh.
1: So, yeah, I mean, things that you need to do when you're in a survival situation, get safe. Whatever Uh situations put you in that situation, sinking boat, or a crashed plane, or... You asked
0: a helicopter to drop you off on the <laughs> deserted island. Exactly.
1: Get safe. Okay. Get your head straight. Figure out what uh-huh. you want to do. And how home. you're going to do it. I mean, yes. <laughs> go <sorry>. home actually <laughs> is one of the first... It, it might sound boring to yeah. someone who's like, I'm going to survive. But the first thing you should be doing is trying to I'm get gonna, rescued I'm as gonna, soon as possible. I'm
0: going to go home. <laughs> okay, yes.
1: But that's good. That's the next one. Signal. Make yep. sure you've signaled. After a period of time has passed by, get shelter. After that, fire. Mm
0: -hmm. Because it
1: can keep you warm, can keep certain animals away. And it... uh, Which can
0: be really rough over here on the Pacific Northwest. Yes. We have very wet... Our ecosystem is very wet.
1: If you watched alone, (laughs) that's actually one of the big things. Oh, is it? They really struggled. Because they were on the Vancouver Island. Really struggled to get a fire going.
0: Oh, yeah. It's because, like... Even the ground underneath the trees is, like, moist all the time.
1: (laughs) All the wood is moist. It's it's saturated. They had to find a way to dry the wood first before they could even begin to get a fire going.
0: Yeah. No, that's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Water is next. You definitely want water. Safe water. And then food, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think lastly is just make sure that you look after yourself mentally. Because... Meditate. Survival is 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 a pretty you know it's not as action packed as you might think.
0: No, I I think I've seen a couple of those movies, like uh, the one that mm. Tom Hanks is in.
1: Oh, Castaway.
0: Yeah, you know where he he spends basically the entire movie not talking. Yeah. Right. There's no one to talk to except for your volleyball. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, talking to a volleyball probably is a good way to keep your mental health in in at least some sort of a stable condition, although it might not seem that way.
0: So it feels a little bit normal because you usually talk to people all day long. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there are many animals that put in these positions have to do similar kind of things. So shelter, for example, Uh there's a crocodile species, um, sometimes called the desert crocodile. Okay. But I think it's also called the Western crocodile It lives in Africa. And it can actually be found in desert regions. Ooh. And when their water sources dry up, they dig deep burrows into the ground. And they go in those and they basically just sit still and wait until the next rains. And they might wait for a long period of time. They go into a dormant state, not quite hibernation. It's called something else because it's, it's not, during a hot period.
0: Yeah, it's not brumation, is it?
1: No, no. it's like, oh, I can't say it, estivation. Okay. Um,
0: I, th- I think I've heard what you're referring to. I've heard about it.
1: But uh, they sit there and wait for the rains to come and they conserve as much energy as possible. It's interesting. Um, And those burrows can make a significant difference for the temperature outside.
0: Well, that's pretty much any animal that lives in the desert. You'll notice that that's one of their big tactics. Yes. Even just burying themselves underneath the surface because the surface sand can be scalding, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense that they would just dig down.
1: Absolutely. And people don't realize it. Deserts get super cold at night too. They do. So uh, shelter can protect you during the day and the night at the Mm -hmm. same time, um, just from very different conditions. Um, Arctic foxes are actually pretty smart. I mean, they are basically already insulated pretty well. Uh But if they're caught in a storm, what they'll do is they'll find a rock or something to tuck themselves behind. They'll wrap that tail around their body.
0: And they'll just hunker down until it passes.
1: Exactly. There
0: you go. Probably the smartest way to do it. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Rather than trying to struggle through a storm and possibly getting like squashed
1: (laughs) by a falling
0: tree or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: That's smart. It's interesting to think of animals in these situations too, because I think that sometimes when we think of animals in the wild, we feel like they're always prepared for every situation, Mm. but they get lost or distracted or like caught in things that they weren't expecting just like we do.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's really cool to think about actually.
1: And then water. Water. So if you're in a situation where there isn't much water, um, this could be like you're at drift at sea after your ship sank and you're on a a raft or you're in a desert region, getting water can be a serious challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe you're experiencing a drought in your area. Um, One thing that's really cool that I learned from uh, that the indigenous um, people of Australia would do, Mm-hmm. is there's a type of frog called the water-holding frog.
0: Water, okay. So The
1: name pretty much yep, tells you yeah, what's going I, on. I
0: understand what's happening.
1: <laughs> so when, the, when it rains enough, these frogs burrow down into the ground, and they actually shed their skin, I think, or okay. they secrete a mucus that hardens on the outside, and it okay. basically acts as a wrapper holding in all that moisture that the frogs have after absorbing a lot of the water around them. And they have a... Conveniently, they've got two holes right where their nose is, just where their nose is so they can breathe, although they go into a dormant state where they they breathe very slowly to conserve energy. Um, Until the
0: rains come back.
1: Exactly.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: But the indigenous people of Australia picked up on this and in times of extreme drought when they needed water they would dig these frogs up and they would squeeze on the frog oh my gosh and they would get the water out of it Some i think the water stored a lot in the bladder and that might sound really gross but it's actually not very concentrated so there is water there and this is a survival situation yes
0: this is like i am desperate i don't care that there's a little bit of frog pee in my water
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it just goes to show you that if you're in a really dry situation, a riverbed can still hold sources of water. Um,
0: Sometimes you just got to dig.
1: Sometimes you just got to dig. It could be underground water. It could be um, animals that have gone into a dormant state and are retaining that water.
0: I know elephants will do that too. They'll actually like dig new wallows, often not even when they're desperate, but even just in really in areas that are high in minerals. Hmm. Right. And they'll make almost like these big old mineral baths in the middle of the jungle.
1: Yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah.
0: It's really cool. Yeah.
1: It's also a good thing to think about because if you are stranded long term, Mm -hmm. very long term, you also have to consider nutrients that your environment might lack you know, like we need uh, vitamin C. We can't produce it. So we mm-hmm. need citrus. So, or
0: you get scurvy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so you have to, as a person, I think great apes as well. Um, We are one of the few animals that can't do that, can't produce that substance, so we have to eat citrusy fruits. You can also get it from certain organs, for example. So if you catch something and you're eating it, something that you might have turned your nose at before, you should probably be eating to get that nutrition.
0: Yeah. No, that's really interesting. That's actually a a fair point, because if you get lost way out in the mountains of North America, you're not going to find an orange tree, just like... Yeah, up on the top of this mountain. Hmm.
1: You would need some berries and they're only seasonal too. Mm -hmm. So it would have to be, you'd have to make the most of that season. That's very true. Um,
0: Hopefully you're not stranded for more than one season though. Yeah. That does not sound fun.
1: Probably not, unless you're there for like a competition like um, like that. I don't know if you watch Bear Grylls.
0: Uh, I think the only thing that's even remotely like that, that I used to watch when I was younger was Survivor. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was one of those kids. My family used to put aside time to watch Survivor together. Oh, man. Yeah. But that was very different because you could play a game and get, like, a bag of potato chips, so, you know? Okay, that's...
1: that's yeah, Yeah. I got you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it, was, it was an interesting show.
1: Speaking of water, another thing yep. you can do is condensation. Um,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. If
1: you're out at sea, they usually provide you um, with your life raft. You usually have a device that... Um, acts to evaporate the water. It's kind of like a dome of uh, plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it evaporates the seawater. The seawater, the water that's evaporated, condenses on the side and trickles down to special compartments where you can get water.
0: Yeah, so that it gets rid of the salt in there.
1: Exactly, yeah. and gives you something Which is to drink.
0: Very needed. <sighs> mm.
1: And and some animals actually use something similar too. Okay. Um, There are beetles in Africa, for example, I think in the Karoo Desert, um, that uh, go up to the top of sand dunes, and they basically put their body right at the top, and they're able to get the water that's evaporated off the sea to condense on their bodies, and they drink it off themselves.
0: That is really interesting. I didn't know that. Well, flamingos can do something like that too, can't they? With salt, because they live in such alkaline... Saline lakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting how animals will adapt like that, so that they can live in conditions that no one else can.
1: Yeah, right? it really is. And every t- every day I'm getting a new f- fact about flamingos. You are like a flamingo I'm expert. Sorry. Oh my That's no, no, right. I'm, don't apologize. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, they're they're really don't ever go into a pool that you see a bunch of flamingos in because it's most likely not safe for you.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think there was a researcher who figured out that. Um, these lakes they were living in were incredibly acidic and in that their um the scales on their legs would help to protect them against it because he tried to wade in after them and got third degree burns all up his legs. Oh yeah, no. It's how they protect themselves, right? Yeah. Flamingos so are really just useless birds. <laughs> they just stand in the middle of a lake like heh ha. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get me.
1: <laughs> oh. It, it. That's, that's pretty cool. But serious survival there. Um, yeah. Always a reminder that water sources aren't always something you can no. drink or it's, it's even wade in. You should always be careful of those hazards. Drinking seawater is a serious no-no if you're stuck stranded out at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as drinking water, you should always make sure that it's been boiled first. Mm-hmm. Um, other things to consider, if you're on top of a mountain too, you know that the boiling point of water goes down. So it's actually less than 100 degrees Celsius.
0: I feel like I did know that at one point, but it feels new at the same time.
1: Yeah. It's all <laughs> to do with pressure. So the pressure is lower at higher elevations, so the water boils at lower temperatures. So if you want to make sure your water is safe, you have to boil it for longer. When it starts boiling, that doesn't mean it's done if you're at a higher altitude.
0: Mm. Pretty yeah. cool, eh? That is really cool.
1: Good survival tip. Oh, another one that you should always be aware of when it comes to getting water never try to drink water from a cactus that's like a big like one of those hey if you're ever in the desert just get water from a cactus like a lot of people say do not do that because they have alkaloids and um some are acidic so chances are you might get diarrhea and vomiting from it which will mean you lose a lot of water
0: yeah which is when if you're in survival mode that can actually be devastating
1: absolutely yeah Devastating. It's
0: the same when people are going through <clears throat> certain things like chemotherapy, right? Even just the little thing that you don't think, oh, that's not it. If your body is under that much pressure, something small like getting a bug and getting diarrhea or vomiting can actually be borderline fatal, mm. if not fatal. Yeah, which is really...
1: Yeah, I mean, animals <laughs> that do eat cactus generally have defenses against it. They've evolved an arms race, so they are able yeah. to resist that people no we do not have that ability that
0: is interesting that you bring it up because if i think about it i think that's one of those things that was in like cartoons growing up all the time i was like oh cactus source of water yes no no it's not
1: (laughs) i think the only one that kind of got it right was uh, avatar the last airbender oh yeah there was one character that drank cactus water and started hallucinating oh my god i think that was a reference to the cactus peyote Oh. which is a hallucinogen or has like, hallucinogenic properties.
0: I would just like to say that that is an amazing series. Yes. I loved that series. Mm. Yeah, it's so good.
1: Definitely. I know that's a, uh, it's a, a, a classic.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, we should also talk about optimal foraging theory. Right? Op- okay. Hey, have you ever heard of that?
0: No idea. It's been a while since I was in university, probably at some point. <laughs>
1: it's, it's basically like doing the math. Mm-hmm. Is the food worth the energy yeah right? if it's if it costs you too much energy to get the food and you 're actually getting less energy from the food it 's not worth your time mm-hmm. and certain animals will make choices depending on um, on how much energy that animal is worth so for example if you and me were trying to survive in the wild a salmon would be packed full of protein packed full of energy
0: but you'd have to catch it
1: exactly
0: and that's the
1: problem so you might be better off just catching the small little minnows in the shallows you just have to catch a lot more yeah so which is worth more catching all those small little fish um to feed yourself or going for that big fish that might be harder to catch yeah it really depends because the small fish might not be worth it it's a
0: trade-off yeah exactly yeah and well i mean carnivores make that decision borderline on the daily right is it worth it to go through this chase to try and get on top of this animal and bring it down or am i going to get injured or am i going to be running for 15 minutes and then end up just passing out (laughs) before i get near it
1: yeah i feel so bad for cheetahs half the time i watch cheetahs put in all that effort and just be sat there like hyperventilating
0: well it's interesting too because people always think of cheetahs as running right always running always but they're actually ambush predators Mm. and the most successful hunt for a cheetah is one where they don't run at all they don't want to run Right. Because they're going to get, you'll see it in those uh, video. They'll get as close to that prey animal as they can before breaking into a sprint because it's so energy costly. Mm. Right. And then that makes our job in zoos very difficult because our cheetah is very, It's like, I don't want to run. If I can avoid it, I'm going to avoid it. So we do a lot of things to keep our animals nice and active. Right. Because in the wild, they are going to be avoiding it, which a lot of people don't understand, you know. It's very and interesting to think about.
1: It is, yeah. And it's the same for us. The reason that you've probably, or if anyone's listening, you've always skipped the dishes today is because you're, you're following your optimal foraging theory, which <laughs> right? makes sense in a survival situation. But uh, I guess if you can go out and get food. Um,
0: Doesn't always, always mean that you want example. to. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, and the other thing is looking at hours of operation. So if you are in a survival situation, sitting still is actually really important to mm-hmm. conserve your energy. You know, we are con- we have a constant supply of food in general. People do. Yeah. Um, so we're able to play. We're able to do activities. But when your food is limited, yeah. you need to cut those out.
0: Well, and and one of the things would be not doing those activities at the hottest part of the day. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, we become crepuscular. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's that's actually a good suggestion. If it's a really hot environment you're in, um, that would be a good way. And you Dawn and dusk. Yeah. Yeah. And you shouldn't go out at night, too, because Mm -hmm. it's when we are vulnerable. We don't have great eyesight. You're more susceptible to accidents. Um, And you also might want to avoid certain animals in that environment. Mm -hmm. Um, To put it in perspective, something that might make you feel a bit more relaxed about uh, about the night is that a lot of the creatures that operate at night now, at this time, are doing it to avoid us during the day. Oh, yeah. So many carnivores, everything from tigers, sun bears, opossums, they're actually shifting their hours of operation to become more nocturnal in areas where there are people because,
0: for the sole purpose yeah, of
1: avoiding us.
0: Because we're less active.
1: So if you yeah. think about the things that go bump in the night, We are the things that go bump in the day, that make things terrified of the daylight.
0: Turning everything around on us. We're actually the scary ones.
1: Exactly, right? You think things are scary at night. Imagine the things, how the things at night feel about us.
0: Fair enough. And then they turn around and you're just out in the bushes like, hey.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh God, I didn't see you behind all that glare. (laughs) So that's definitely something to consider. So tigers, definitely shifting their behavior to be more nocturnal. And sun bears, that was interesting. As much as 80 or I think, yeah, something high percentage, above 70% more active at night in areas where there are people. Interesting. Um, The other thing that we should definitely talk about is uh, making sure that you don't get hurt. So a lot of animals in survival situations also have to avoid injury at all costs. It's yeah worth noting for people is that you might think you'd be hunting big game or something like that but you probably want to stay small we're actually a social animal yeah. right um many of the reasons that we're able to survive is because we work in groups it's um, true and uh so you'll probably be looking at insects bugs crustaceans fish things like that or even mice yeah um rabbits are going to be really hard to catch believe it or not oh yeah um and anything bigger it would just be too risky
0: well, and that's the same thing with the big apex predators, right? Even even a tiger or a lion, they're looking at the babies or the sickly or the stragglers, right? They're not just like, okay, what's the biggest animal I've got in this group? Because I'm treating myself tonight. You know? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not the decisions they're making. <laughs> you know, they're making those decisions that are going to be easier, right? Because exactly. An animal in the wild doesn't... They're not going to just be like, oops, I broke my leg time to walk down to the vet clinic down the road you know like that's not an option for them in the wild
1: you have to sit still and you have to hope that you're a social animal like lions will sometimes be supported by their prides Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes and then (laughs) like yeah like they will actually um, make the kill and bring the animal over and they have a chance to recover which is pretty cool Um, the good thing about survival too is that it can actually give you some good pointers for even life just living at home Mm -hmm. Um, I recently learned that you can keep your, a room in your house warm by using two flower pots on top of each other. Um, so you have a smaller flower pot and a larger one, Mm -hmm. put some candles underneath, put, sorry, put some candles on a baking tray, um, and then put a flower pot over the top of it and a larger flower pot on top of that. And it basically produces a constant supply of heat. Interesting. So, if you end up in a situation where the power's cut to your house and it probably won't be coming on for a long time, you can actually keep your house warm using two flower pots, a uh, baking tray, and some cheap candles. And it's a good money saver, too.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Or if you really don't want to pay for heating that, day, for that month, <laughs> just put them everywhere.
1: Well, last thing I want to talk about, too, is um, the uh, survival pack you should have in your car. So I recently learned this here in Canada, that, you know, if you are in a city where you're driving on roads that might be closed, that it's a good idea to carry um, candles, a flare, water, um, kitty litter, um, a shovel and... um, Did I mention food already? No. Think food, like granola bars. And that's because if you end up in a situation where your car's stuck on the side of a road on the mountains or um, on a road that's been closed behind you, for example, um, the cat litter can help you get traction on your tires to move if you're ever stuck. The shovel can help you dig out. The candles, if you light them inside the car, will keep you warm and you can save your fuel. Um, And of course, granola bars, food and water, a good supply, and the flare gun can help you signal for help. I did not know this until I came here, and it's my girlfriend that was actually the one that pushed for having a survival pack in our car, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. So much of uh, Canada is pretty much just wild space.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, That's really
0: cool. <laughs>
1: this has been a really cool conversation. Yeah. If anyone has any questions for us concerning survival or your survival fantasy that you want to live out. No. Like me, no. I'm looking for people who can relate to how I feel about yeah, this. Yeah, because
0: I'm judging him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do not hesitate to email us at podcast at or DM us on our social media. I'm Callum Hughes.
0: And I'm Ashley Wezik.
1: And this has been
0: A, a Wild Conversation. conversation.